Welcome to the Celebration Sessions with myself, Connor Clear. The Celebration Sessions is a podcast unpacking life, loss and love. As I step further into the world of celebrancy, I want to look at how we celebrate, how we fall in love, the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. This is my exploration into the beauty of it all. It's a reminder of the positivity that can come from making the most of the important times. Above all, a reminder of how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. This is the Celebration Sessions podcast. Hello there. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. As always, whenever it is you're tuned in, delighted uh, that you hit play or download. Um, Now, I missed out on uh, an episode last week, but I am back with a good one uh, this time. And in fact, if you remember back to an episode I did where I spoke to National Treasure, B.B. Baskin, um, I think it was around about episode 10, about embracing change to find your happy place in life. And in that conversation, we talked about uh, men and mindfulness And it is something that has stuck with me and something I wanted to come back to. And then I came across a wonderful new book centered around the idea that the key to happiness is recognizing that this is it. So joining me to talk about his journey is author Connor Crichton. Connor, how are you doing? I'm good, Connor. Clear. Nice to meet you. (laughs) From one corner to another. Um, listen, thanks yeah, very much yeah. for joining me on this. Um, I'm thrilled that you agreed to chat to me. Um, where are you joining us from, say? I'm in the south of Berlin right now. Nice. Nice. Yes. How has lockdown yeah. been there? I've been all over the place. So I, I spent a lot of lockdown in the south of Portugal and then was in Spain and was kind of um, it just just got stuck in some different places. Um, kind of conveniently stuck because I got I got stuck in nice places. I was trying to uh, initially wanted to come back to Ireland, but then um, I had a kind of a moment with my parents where they said maybe it's not such a good idea that you come back, and um, just because of the the risk of infection and stuff. And then ended up having a little opportunity to go down and like stay with friends in the south of Portugal, and then spent most of winter there. So. I, I can complain, but only only with a very very small C. You know, I can't. I I don't have I don't have the the real lockdown bragging rights that a lot of other people had. I think. <laughs> well, sure. Look, um, as long as you're safe and healthy, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. Right. Um, tell me this: you've had a, a very varied. I think it's fair to say it's been quite a, a varied career over the years. Uh, through different areas Um, and like everything I guess they've all played their part in in bringing you to where you are now um, into a a wonderful world of meditation and mindfulness and and a meditation teacher as well so Mm -hmm. just tell me a bit about your journey to to where you got to today yeah well and I think kind of just even I think it's sort of to that point that you made there that I think when you do kind of come to a place where you begin to sort of bring more awareness to your life, which is sort of one of the kind of the reasons that we're meditating is, you know, to increase this awareness and you sort of come to a place of perhaps just accepting who you are. Um, the, the, all the things that you have done up until that point 
suddenly kind of fall into a sort of a sensical uh, pattern. It's very interesting. Like it's sort of like that kind of you say there, like a varied life. And when I think about all the things I've done, it has always seemed quite varied. And even kind of at a younger age, that was something that really, say, troubled me. So I was like, wow, I, there's, I don't see any pattern here. I don't see any scheme. Like what, what's, what's my mission? And um, it's, it, I think that can be very useful for people maybe who are listening, who also kind of feel that they're perhaps like running through this adventure of life like a headless chicken. Yeah. And when you do sort of begin to kind of apply a little bit more acceptance to who you are, that so many of the choices you've made and the decisions you've made which at the time perhaps felt like crazy or ill-advised, they do seem to make sense. Um, and, and that very much for me, kind of a lot of what I was doing before I came to meditation was very simply just trying to find modalities and methods to feel good about myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I feel to a certain extent, I feel grateful that none of them worked. <laughs> 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 because you are where you're meant to be right <laughs> right right you know and um yeah I, I think realizing that is a little bit like the kind of the the tiger balm for for life yeah you know you are yeah. meant to be. and when was the point then uh where the penny dropped that you went oh no this is this is it literally not not, not within the yeah. context of the book but but as in this is this is my purpose like this is what i need I would, to do right I, would, now. I would love i would love to be able to pinpoint one moment but uh i think for me the pennies were dropping for a long long time and i was perhaps going like oh no that's not a penny dropping it's it's that's rain <laughs> or something like this but uh, i i think um for me kind of the kind of the acceptance and the change in things w was really a series of a lot of change falling for, for over many many years but um i think it, it sort of accelerated in my 30s yeah very much a kind of a i think um up until that point i'd sort of dabbled with with some other little bits you know had done therapy and things like this and um but really it was sort of, I think when I was about 33, um, that I kind of committed myself to meditation and could see, okay, this, this is having like lasting benefit and lasting change. And it was just beginning to, it, I mean, for me, I really feel that when I started to meditate, it was the beginning of the greatest adventure in my life. And it's, really? it's continued to be the greatest adventure just because you're kind of, you the more you can bring, like, and I, I, I mentioned this at the start, but the more you can bring awareness to what you're doing, you know, like, and, and all the great traditions and all the great philosophies in this, they, they kind of, they, they throw this down as like the template for living is to know yourself, right? And once you can begin to get, you know, to know yourself and get to know yourself from a kind of a, with a certain element of humor, you know, and, and kindness. Of course, yeah. And, you can, I, I, I really feel like it is, it, it is the beginning of a, of a great adventure. So then tell me about your adventure then, then through us. Yeah, well, I guess my adventure is that I became a meditation teacher, which is the, the <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if, if I could hop into a little uh, Tesla time machine right now, you know, and uh, jump back even eight years or 10 years and, and say, yeah, I would be this day talking to, 
a guy in a podcast about meditation and my forthcoming book and me being a meditation teacher, I would have said, oh, no, 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 that's not me at all. Um, so th that's kind of the adventure. I think like once you begin to accept yourself, Connor, you begin to kind of transform and, and, and grow in ways that you could never have imagined. Yeah, yeah. Really never imagined. Like even kind of like I hear some of the language that I use when I'm in classes and I'm talking to people about open your heart and let love in. And my, I, I cast my mind back to like me 10 years ago who would have been shouting like, your heart's just a big pump. What are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Grow some balls, man. <laughs> well, there's the thing. I, I think the reason I ask about adventure is because I'd love to know how how easy or difficult is it to, to learn? Um, obviously, I, I think for anyone who finds their way into meditation, you're, you're brought into it. Mm. And, and when you make the conscious decision to say, okay, I'm going to give this a try, how, how easy is it to, to pick it up and run with it? You know something, the hardest thing is your attitude. Yeah, It really is. Like meditation, Connor, like when I explain meditation to people and you explain some of the kind of the, I guess, the slogans of meditation, you know, like some of the, like, yeah. love everyone, tell the truth, be kind to yourself. It sounds like you're kind of, you're doing some sort of uh, presentation for uh, kindergarten, you know, <laughs> something like this. It's, um, because the reality is like, the, the language of meditation and the instructions required are so simple that they can almost kind of feel like pa they're patronizing. Yeah. But, and, and that is kind of the difficulty. The difficulty is the attitude. You know, we're, we're kind of, we're so hardwired, Connor, to um, be the best, to be perfect, to compete yeah. with ourselves. Meditation is all about no effort and not getting anywhere and just accepting that. It really is, it's the practice of doing nothing. And when we begin to sort of start to do this do nothing thing, because we, we race so much, you know, we're always running, we've always got objectives, we're always on to the next thing. When you start to practice this doing nothing, you begin to realize, shit, this is very difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. very difficult for me to just be here myself with no distractions, with no objectives, just 100% in this moment. And the thing is that most people um, will at some stage in their life, like when you're much older and when you're kind of like weeks away from dying, you'll be kind of forced into that position. Yeah. You know, to really be with yourself and get to know yourself. And um, meditation is kind of an opportunity to do that, to die long before you die. Yeah. Yeah. I guess at that point, You've kind of got nothing to lose when you go into it. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think even just like for people who are maybe listening here right now, Connor, like it's sort of, um, even if you think meditation isn't for you, maybe just be curious about how it might be to just sit down for five minutes. You don't have to meditate or anything, but just sit down on your own without your phone, without your distractions and just see how comfortable or uncomfortable it is to just be completely with yourself and with your thoughts for five to 10 minutes. And meditation is just really the process of getting more and more and more comfortable with this. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, um, I had a conversation previously in one of the previous episodes, I think it would have been about maybe episode 10, I think with 
national treasure, no less, B.B. Baskin. Um, yeah, <laughs> and in that conversation, mm. uh, what came up was the idea that there seems to be somewhat of a gender imbalance in terms of perception towards mindfulness and meditation and that world. And I just wanted to ask you, was that something that you've noticed um, mm-hmm. in your professional life? It, it, men, I, I think, struggle that bit more to engage with it, I think. Do they? Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think I think what it is is that, you know, we, we've kind of um, there's men are definitely um, have experienced a different kind of most men, you know, have experienced a different kind of programming. And that programming, which we learn from the youngest age, is that as a man, the most dangerous thing that you can ever do is appear vulnerable. Mm. Uh, and so if, if you look at how that then correlates and sort of leaks into everyday life, vulnerability might mean talking about a feeling, um, going to a doctor, admitting pain, uh, showing any signs of weakness. And so when uh, meditation, when people come to meditation, it's be, the first thing you have to do is be vulnerable. You have to say, ah, I'm experiencing anxiety. I'm somehow disillusioned with my life. I can't sleep at night. I feel miserable. And for so many men, um, admitting this is a little bit like kind of pulling the rope from underneath themselves. Mm-hmm. Like we, we men, we kind of, we grow up. And I mean, it's not just men. I mean, this, this is also like how it is for, for so many women. But from my experience, kind of just looking at it statistically um, and looking at kind of more traditional gender roles, which hopefully will disappear and fade within the next, within our lifetime, you know? Um, So many men um, just feel that they have to go it alone. And we're trained to do it when we're school kids, you know, it's how we're nurtured. It's how we're brought up. Um, Are are there any, I'm looking for some light at the end of the tunnel here with this. Are there any cultural shifts or what, what can we do to, to, to dismantle that. that. Yeah, well, we, we talk about it. Like you and me talking about this right now. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's very much like kind of, um, there's that term toxic masculinity, which which I don't, which I totally recognize, but um, don't always kind of like because, yeah. because I, it's just, let's just call it masculinity, you know, and this, yeah. this out of balance masculinity. Um, and you and I kind of, that's probably like the water that we grew up in. Do you know, you're going to schools and you, there's so much of your true self that you have to hide from your classmates yeah, for fear yeah. of bullying. Yeah. And it's not like we come out of school and suddenly we're like, oh, great, now I can talk about my feelings and my sensitivities and my emotions. It, it doesn't work that way. We keep going on with this habit. Yeah. It's hardwired so, into us. It's hard. It's hardwired until we bring awareness to it. Yeah. So you and I right now talking about this, you know, talking about how difficult it, it is as as men to be vulnerable and especially together. Yeah. You know, um, the more we can talk about this, just the more um, uh, these conversations will hopefully become normalized. Hopefully. Hopefully, I'd like to. I, yeah, I'd like to see that. 
because I know certainly with previous guests or when I'm just chatting to friends as well. Yeah. I, I notice the difference, you know, female friend says they've got X, Y, Z going on. I might, I now I might suggest depending on what the issue is. Do you meditate? Have you meditated? We just taken some time yeah. out and invariably yeah. they'll say, no, but I might give it a try. You say that to a guy and it's a completely different, there's the eye roll yeah. and there's, yeah, but it's also, Connor, it's, it's, I think the meditation, let's call it the meditation industry at large, yeah. also has a claim that because the, the branding of meditation is horrible. You know, it's, it's very kind of, it seems kind of spectral, ethereal, ethereal, isn't that how you, there's, there's almost kind of this emphasis on calm and chill and, and calm waters and, beautiful sunsets and all the imagery involved in the branding of meditation, I think is, is very off Yeah, because yeah. you see that and you think, Jesus Christ, I'm never going to be as calm as that sunset <laughs> across that tropical island on, on the front cover of this meditation package. That's not never going to happen. So what I really tried to do when I first started coming to meditation was like, I was like, I want to use the language that addresses the, the problem rather than the kind of, the solution which seems so far away for so many yeah, people like yeah, let's yeah. be honest about it we're all a bit mad our heads are like dumpster fires yeah. do you know what i mean like this is true it's uh, i think there's a, there's a lovely um guy called duncan trussell who calls it the the shit kaleidoscope <laughs> when re- referencing our minds you know what i mean and that's how it is like you sit there and it's just like uh, violence pornography greed lust all these different things going by and um, I think a lot of people come to meditation and in some of our first encounters and um, they explain to me that like their head is so wild. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll kind of turn to them and go, so is mine. Yeah. You know, so are all our heads. All our heads are. Yeah. yeah. Half the battle, I think, <laughs> is probably recognizing that. Is that true? Yeah. And, and then accepting it, you know what I mean? And, and accepting that you're kind of. Um, you are not alone in your craziness. You know, you really are not. Um, this is how we are. This is how we connect as a people. And it's almost, it's how we're designed. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was putting notes together, in fact, for this, I came across the Dublin Boys Club, um, which is something yeah. that you set up. Tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, this is something I've been doing for years. Well, for maybe eight years. I, I think this this coincided very much when I first started to meditate, um, is that I would just... I set up a boys club in Berlin and I, I set one, I moved over to America. I set up one in, in Los Angeles and had one in Limerick and then have one in Dublin. Yes. And basically what, what it is, is it's sort of, um, it's something I realized that um, about eight years ago, nine years ago, I was playing on a football team and I broke up with a partner and nobody wanted to talk to me about it. <laughs> you okay. know, no one wanted know, to like, know. you know, everyone was just, um, why aren't you defending? Why, why yeah. aren't you, you're not very aggressive in the game. I was like, I'm kind of heartbroken and lost here. And so it was like, okay, I, I need some outlet. So I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to sort of set up informal places where men could just come together, strangers, perfect strangers even, where the emphasis is on real talk um, and just you come into these settings and this the, the, the statements that you make 
can't be, oh, men these days are like this. It has to be a personal thing. I okay. feel. And what I wanted to do was to create a space where men would feel safe. Men would feel safe to be vulnerable around other men. And by doing that, uh, it would kind of revolutionize how we talk to each other. So I set up a few, pretty much everywhere I go, I set up these groups. And um, then they just sort of go on and exist without me in the form of a WhatsApp group or, or the people super. still meet. And um, yeah, yeah I, that's, I, yeah. I was going to ask, sorry, because you said it's these strangers who come together, but once yeah. you open your heart so personally, there must be connections then and you must make friends. And, and Yeah, and it really is. Yeah, I was having this conversation with a good friend of mine, Chris, the other day, and we, we, also, we set up another kind of a man's group here in Germany and we were just talking about how I've only known him a year and I said I was like Chris you know it's phenomenal I feel like I grew up with you wow and he was like, yeah me too and I said it's I think it's just because of the way that we talk to each other that I immediately like like we sit down and we're immediately in it and he's saying you know, my wife said this and it made me feel this way. And I'll go, yeah, my partner said this and it made me feel this way. And, and I'm like, and we'll, we'll go like, are you eating well? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm eating well. And what about your thoughts? And we kind of, um, I know that if, if it, that might sound like kind of a little bit like, it, it might be a little off-putting like to hear that that's those conversations, but they really are so nourishing. You know, when yeah. you have friends, you know how it is, Connor, sometimes when you go see a friend and you have a communicative need and that communicative need is not met because this friend um, lacks the kind of the confidence to get into a real conversation about feelings. Yeah. And you somehow yeah. go away wishing that maybe you hadn't met that person. You, you always feel like, oh, I'm drained. So when, and I think like the, the, the thing that we're looking for so often in our communities, in our connections, is this deep meeting. Yeah. You know, this way that you kind of, you feel that, ah, I have been mirrored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great attraction that we have for love all the time. We want to feel that we are recognized by somebody else. Um, but that can also, that recognition can happen in our mm -hmm. friendships. And, and, and it is such, a, it's a gift to have a friend like that in your life or friends, plural, if, if you're lucky enough. Um, but mentioning meetings with friends where you leave having, you know, not communicated on that level. Interestingly, I feel sometimes that I think I put that on myself. I feel, you know, if a friend is going through something, but they mightn't be able to communicate it, and I leave those interactions feeling that, you know, I could have done better, maybe pushing them a bit more to, to vent or or open up because I just, I, I think I can be a bit passive sometimes and I, and I don't push, you know? Yeah, but do you know what I mean? That's very interesting. It's sort of at, at two levels there that's sort of highlighting um, two kind of incredible sort of, I, I guess you could call them facts of life in many ways. Like one is just this sense of judgment that we have. You know, we're like we, we are... Um, our, our brains, one of the, 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 one of the roles of our brains is to criticize, yeah, yeah. you know, and to, and to judge. 
And we, of, we often leave social situations like that with this sort of inner voice that begins to kind of like narrate what happened and say, well, you should have done that and you should have done that and you should have done that. And it makes you feel miserable. Yeah. yeah. And one of the most important things that I would suggest is sort of the, the reason uh, the reason that I would kind of advertise meditation is that it's a way to kind of dismantle that voice, that inner critic. And the other thing, the other point is just this idea that um, sometimes when we come away from these meetings or sometimes we come away from these friend things going, oh, if that had happened, I think it's a great way to just sort of reflect and remind yourself that these are skills that can be learned. Like vulnerability is a little bit like a muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can practice and you get closer, like going to these places that scare us. You get, you know, with each conversation, you move a little closer to those places that scare us. And I think this is how we heal as a community. Like those people you talked about, like, you know, a friend who can really talk that way. Yeah. He's just a friend who has kind of developed those skills. But yeah, we can yeah, all do yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I think you almost answered a question that I wanted to ask. Um, and it was just the idea of, you know, for a half an hour podcast, it's like that media friendly soundbite of what can we say to um, guys who are skeptical about this uh, world and how can we just encourage them to step into it? But even you talking about vulnerability being a, a you know, muscle memory and it can be learned and it's, and it's easily learned. I, I think is of, of great value, but, but what, what do you think we can say to, uh, as a little takeaway point for people? I always think like, if you feel in any way that your life is miserable, or if you recognize that you always seem to be involved in a struggle, that is because you're believing everything that you think. And it's actually from a kind of a, a misperception of life. So I would say to people, be very curious about who you are when you're not dealing with all the problems and putting it out all the fires that have been created by your overactive negative imaginations. Yeah. And, and that might even make you a little angry you might go, I have real problems, you know, and people do have real problems. But when you start to bring awareness to things, you'll discover that beneath so many of the problems that, you, that are being created in your mind, there is another space. And that space is your true self. And meditation is simply about encountering that true self and spending more time there. And you can, you can get to that place with psychedelics. You can get to that place by falling in love. You can get to that place through travel. But if you want to sustainably create pathways to access that place, meditation really works. That was lovely. Yeah, that's a lovely message. The idea of just being curious. Yeah, really. Like, just kind of be curious. Like, why do you wake up in the morning full of stress? You know, why, why are you going to bed at night and you can't sleep? Yeah. Why, why are you kind of constantly on your phone? What sort of disharmony and, and dis-ease is going on in your life that makes it so hard for you to just sit on your own with no distractions for five or 10 minutes? Yeah. 
Can I ask you this question? What is the, uh, how do I phrase this? Almost the, the turnaround time. What is the turnaround time between that moment of stress where something happens in your life that you go, ah, oh, here we go. And the, the turnaround time between that and when your learnings kick in and you go, actually, I've, I've got this. This is fine. Yeah. You know, it, it, it depends. It really depends. And this is why I sort of say, Connor, like it's an adventure. Like I am a meditation teacher, but I'm also a meditation student. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much. And the turnaround is very interesting. You'll kind of notice things like you'll go, oh, I got angry, but somehow I managed to drop the anger after an hour. Normally, that anger might have stayed with me for the whole weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it, like it's it's sort of things like that start to happen. It's like, kind of like I'm in a relationship. I'll still like get into arguments with, with my girlfriend. You know, we'll, we'll still have moments where I'll say like, the dumbest shit, you know, and so on. <laughs> but I like to think that a, a point kind of happens where you sort of, you see through the fog and you go, hold on, this is a story. I can just drop it. Absolutely. And being able to do that, like having that kind of capacity for sort of emotional regulation and self-control is a little bit like a superpower. And th this it's the superpower that is acceptance, just like radically accepting things. Yeah. You go, yeah. this is the reality as it is right now. I can resist it. I can push against it. Or I can just try and push the reset button and accept it. Yeah. 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 And we can do that. It's within us. It's within us. It, it's totally within us. And it's not, it's not like a special gift you're born with. It's just a matter of training. It's a matter of learning. Yeah. Um, tell me this, Connor, because I don't want to keep you all morning and I do really want to get to your book because it's mm. what brought me to you in, in the first place. Um, it looks fab and it sounds like a wonderful book. I know it's, it's part memoir, I guess, and part meditation guide. Tell us a bit about the book. Well, um, <clears throat> I wanted to write, uh, I guess in the last few years, I started to teach an awful lot of meditation in Ireland. Before that, I had kind of, I taught a little bit more in the States and had taught more in kind of Germany and, and, and different spots like that, but started to teach a lot in Ireland and just began to realize that I was like, you know, this spirituality to a certain extent is kind of tainted in Ireland because it, so much of it was conflated and, and um sort of tarnished by the the heavy religious presence on our island for so many years indeed indeed yeah um the kind of the, the teachings of spirituality which are just kind of you know love yourself be with yourself the happiness and joy are in yourself um they're your birthright and i really wanted to create a book that would help to kind of bring irish people back to this to reclaim um the joy of mystery you know, just, just the wonder that children have of the world around them. Yeah. And the book is sort of an attempt to kind of, to locate some of the wisdom of meditation with inside an Irish folk context. Right. And then in, in the middle of all of that, and this is largely the result of what happens when you write a book during a lockdown and you're all alone. I started to just tell loads of stories from my life. Yeah. And, you know, stories of like, I was... I spent many more years working as a barman than I ever have as a meditation teacher. Right. So just kind of <laughs> you know, lots of stories. 
stories from those worlds and kind of how the, kind of the some of the the wisdom or the or the folly of of those times is is applicable at a meditational context yeah yeah and listen i will say because i don't want to do one of those insincere things that presenters tend to do when they pretend to have read the book you know in turning this podcast around i'm sure he'll respect my honesty when i admit that i haven't had a chance to read the book however in my research of it and what i've read about it it seems that it is very relatable in how it's presented to the reader yeah, well, do you know what it is? It's, it's like sort of someone, um, <laughs> I was doing an interview the other day, I think with uh, Keith Walsh, I think it was, and he mentioned to you, like, um, you know, it's like you're a meditation teacher, but, uh, you know, you're going to McDonald's. And I was like, well, <laughs> maybe in my weakest, weakest, worst days, I'll go to McDonald's. <laughs> but I haven't done that in a while. But uh, I think the idea... Um, or, or perhaps the the sort of message that I like to get across is that you know, um, you like I'm a deeply flawed person, you know, and and very kind of um, a very human person, and um, I think that kind of some of the meditation world seems to set these sort of unrealistic monastic goals and as a, a regular punter you might be like oh jesus this is nothing to do with me but I, I i my belief is that you know you can you can live in the world and you can make your choices in the world and you can you can online date and you can maybe go for pints at the weekend and you can you can do all these things and meditate yeah yeah it it might some of those things might change your attitude to them might change but you can still meditate. It, you you can be a meditator and you don't have to wear the crimson robes and shave your hair. <laughs> well, you can if you want. Because <laughs> yeah, they look totally, good. <laughs> yeah, you totally can too. Yeah. And um uh, and and the key to it all, uh the the, the 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 key to the happiness is the idea that this is it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The name of the book appropriately yeah <laughs> see what i did there <laughs> i did connor thank you <laughs> um listen connor we will wrap it up there um i'm so appreciative thank you so much for your time thanks for sharing your story and your time with us the book is called this is it it's by gill books um and in fact you're in good company my good friend andrea hayes actually um uh, has books by gill so like i said you're in good company where can you get this is it I think at the moment, the best thing to do is to order it online. So um, Eason's and Dubray Books, they have a pretty efficient online ordering system. But I would also suggest like, why don't you just contact like your local bookseller? They're probably in need of a little bit of help these days. Um, so just find out whatever bookshop is closest to you and you can order it there. If you're outside of Ireland, um, Books Depository are... Oh yeah, very are, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they they deliver postage free. Yeah. So there's also an audio version. And um, someone told me there's an ebook, but the real thing, if I could, maybe I could just talk a little about the design, uh, Mainzer. Yes, design. indeed. And, and Connor, I don't know how much you know about kind of spiritual books, but I have a bookshelf full of spiritual meditation books, and they are all sky blue with a picture of a cam lake and pebbles. <laughs> 
And I said to Gil, I was like, look, you can do whatever you want with the cover. I just will not be able to live with myself if I've created another sky blue meditation book. So we worked with Mazer and he did like the most amazing. It's, I think it's a phenomenal cover. I'm so proud of what he did. And um, it, it makes me very excited because this is the least meditation looking meditation book. Yeah. I have to say it does look fab. It, it legit does look fab. So uh, I will be picking my own copy up and I look forward to, uh, I look forward to getting it. Um, listen, if people want to know more about you, your website is meditatingwithconnor.com, but I'm, I suppose I'm most active on Instagram. So just Connor yeah. Crichton. Yeah. Find me there. Well, look, I will put all the links in the description for the episode. Um, Connor, listen, thanks once again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Connor. Thank you so much. And thank you to you, the listener. Thanks so much for choosing to listen to the Celebration Sessions podcast as you head out for your walk or if you're out and about in the car or indeed uh, at home getting the work done in the kitchen. Till the next time, stay safe, take care. This has been the Celebration Sessions podcast. Mm-hmm.